Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. If you're watching online all over the world, we want to welcome you from everywhere. Thank you so much for being with us today. I believe there's power where you are. It's not just limited to inside a room. I'm going to tell you something right now. Y'all, you do not even know our overflow room. I snuck over there while Pastor Justin was up here doing the offering. It is packed wall to wall. Those people are crazy over there. You guys are wild. Overflow. Go crazy. Let me see if I can hear you from in here. Not really, but hey, I just feel it in my spirit. I know for sure that it's lit over there. It is so great to be in God's house today. I just am just going to say this. I, I won't say it and repeat it because my son said it to me in the back. His faith is strong. He said, I believe that God is not done doing miracles today. So I think there are miracles for you in this room today. Throughout this message, miracles are going to happen in this room. Throughout this message, miracles are going to happen online. Miracles are going to happen in the overflow. God is a God of miracles. And when Jesus said, you're not only going to do the things I've done, you're going to do even greater things. He meant that. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So I'm excited to hear some testimonies of what God is going to do. You know, I can't believe I forgot to announce this in the last service. It's unreal. But today is the world premiere on uh, Up TV. Uh, if you have Up TV, that is probably the largest uh, Christian uh, movie kind of network that's out there. It's on all the major, you know, direct TV, Spectrum, uh, there's Up TV, uh, streaming. Uh, it's kind of like a pure flicks type of thing, but it's the world streaming premiere of Southern Gospel. So you can see Southern Gospel tonight at 7 p.m. It's going to be on television and they've been advertising this thing like crazy. Uh, so if you haven't got to see the movie yet, uh, that's their main Easter Sunday. Uh, it is the main film that they're promoting for Easter Sunday. So you'll be able to see that tonight uh, at 7 p.m. If you say, what is Southern Gospel? What's the story of our founding pastors? My mom and dad, Drs. Gary and Janice Smith. It's the story of the founding of our church. So it's pretty incredible. And it's a fun thing to be a part of. And also, for those of you that are visiting today, raise your hand if you're visiting City of Life today, just so we can see you. Uh, hand up high. Let's give them a huge hand, all the visitors today. Thank you so much for being with us. All the visitors are going to receive a copy of my book, Jesus First, Jesus Always. And uh, I hope you get a chance to read it because there's a lot of significant things. And as a matter of fact, what we're talking about today, there's a part of the book that's uh, devoted to this idea today about the surrender. Uh, it's a very pivotal part of our faith. And, and I, I, I wrote this book several years ago to be an encouragement to people. Uh, just how to, how to follow after the purpose for their life. There's also a Spanish verse, version, Jesus primero, Jesus siempre, es bueno también, uh, los dos. Uh, so get, get whichever one uh, appeals to you the most. So today, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 is going to be our text. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Someone say abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the surrender, the surrender. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness, your Holy Spirit that's moving in this place today. I pray in Jesus' name that your word would just come alive to us, that we'd be able to celebrate this day well. 
to remember your resurrection, to make it a reality in every part of our lives. Let dreams come alive. Let hope come alive. Let people turn to you like never before. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Easter is about the resurrection. It is centered on this historical event. Um, As I was talking about earlier, this is not just something that people made up. It's something people saw. It's something people wrote about. It's something that in the Gospels, when the Gospels name the women that were at the tomb and spoke their name multiple times in the same book, uh, one of the reasons that was done is because basically everyone who would be reading that book, that book was written about 20 years prior. They were saying, if you want to know, go ask these people. They saw it. Uh, If you want to see people that saw Jesus after the resurrection, he appeared to multiple people. You know, a room this size is about 1,100 people just inside this room. So if you take about half of this room, he appeared to 500 people at one time post-resurrection. People that knew had seen him die and be buried. He appeared to them. So when we talk about the resurrection, it's a historical fact. It happened. It's not something that we say, well, if it happened, that's really cool. But if not, it still all applies. No, Paul says if there's no resurrection, we're preaching garbage. There is a resurrection and it did happen. And when we're celebrating the resurrection, we can only celebrate so much as we understand what the word means. Resurrected from what? Yes, actually, it was a rhetorical question, but thank you for answering it. Yes, (laughs) that is the answer. The answer is death. When when God in Genesis chapter two says to Adam and Eve, says you can eat from every tree in this garden, every single tree in this garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat from it. For if you eat from it, you will surely die. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like that too. When people give me a bunch of rules, uh, I think the one rule they give me that I can't do is, is sometimes the one that I want to do the most. So, so luckily, we can't blame this too much on Adam and Eve because I believe it's a part of human nature. But the one thing they're not supposed to do, they do. And when the serpent comes to Eve, now why did God say that? What God was saying is that I'll give you the ability to only understand me. And if you know me, then you know what is good. But if you ever go outside of me looking for information, that's what evil is. So when they chose to go outside of just simply knowing God and to eat that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, it showed that man was looking for something outside of a relationship with God to fulfill his personal needs. Now, the serpent says to them, you know, did God really say? And isn't that really the way the enemy works in our life? He causes us to try to question what God has told us to do. Did he really say? And it kind of plays on something that's already inside of us. We're already struggling with faith a little bit. And when someone says, did he really say? We go, hmm, well, let me think about that. He says to her, did, did he really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman says, well, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But he did say, don't eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Don't touch it or you will die. Listen what the serpent says. He says, you will not surely die. Interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought this way. I'm just going to 
you know, I'm not Pastor Jeff right now. No, you know, PhD, throw it away. All, all that stuff. It's just a guy right here. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you the way that I thought before when reading the Bible when I was growing up. I was like, well, well, then why did God say you're going to die, but they ate it and they didn't die? You ever thought that before? Like God said, you're going to die. And then the serpent says you won't die. And then they eat it and then they don't die. So who's right here? Is God a liar? You know, that's kind of what goes through your head. Like, I don't understand. It must mean because we know that God cannot lie. The Bible tells us it's not possible for God to lie. He is the way, the truth and the life. Amen. Anyone here today on a Sunday morning? I mean, our church is normally pretty fire up. You've got to say, Gloria a Dios, la presencia del Señor está aquí, alaba el Señor. Whatever you got to say to get juiced up, it's Easter. Let's bring our best stuff today, A-game. Right, right, come on, come on. That, that, that kind of uh, reminds me of a funny story. I got to tell this story some other time when I have it together more. But we were at dinner the other night. And uh, a guy at the restaurant we were at, there's this huge mural on the wall. And he goes, yes, welcome to dinner here. He goes, just want you to know that this mural is the God of fertility. And she wants to send you her blessings. <laughs> we had just come from a Good Friday service. Now, I don't know a lot of Spanish, but I said something. Like, I don't know what it's. I just I don't know why I said it. Spanish. I just I said. I said, nuestros no recibimos uh, los regalos del este falso Dios, pero solo recibo regalos del Jesús. Jesús es el camino, la verdad y la vida también. I just start going off. I'm like, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't gonna let no one give me no blessing from some false guy. And so the guy was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so he, he walks away and I'm sitting with uh, Aim and, and, and Mia and, and Zoe and, and we're sitting there and Jared, uh, you know, Mia's boyfriend, he, he goes, I don't know if he really understood all that. <laughs> And I go, well, I don't know. I said, maybe, maybe not. And he walked, he walks back up and I go, hey, Paul, I said, you understood what I was saying? He's like, dude, I'm from Hawaii. He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. He's like. I misjudged Paul a little bit, I guess. Yeah, not sure where that came from. But anyways, let's get the hallelujahs going here. Do you want to hear the next part of the story before I get back? I guess it gets worse. Do you want to hear the worst, the next part? So, <laughs> so then the lady, the lady, another lady comes up and she, she fills up my glass. And I just, by the way, just, I always, I just say, gracias. I, I, I say, I, every time you see me, I say, hola. Like, you know, I, I, I'm always saying stuff like that because I'm like practicing my, you know. So anyways, she, she sends it, and I, I, say, I say, gracias, you know, Dios te bendiga, something like that. And so anyways, Jared goes, I don't think she understood that either. <laughs> and so I go, no. She, I, I, she ha I, so I'm just thinking, There's, this is not possible. So I walk back. I go, excuse me, ma'am. I go, just out of curiosity, I say, where are you from? She goes, I am from France. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening to me right now? I'm like, this is like, I just need to be quiet. Just speak solo ingles. <laughs> Solo English. 
Pretty bad stuff. This has nothing to do with the resurrection, but <laughs> we need, do need to get lit in here today because <laughs> God is, is good. So on this concept of death, what I'm trying to say is if you don't understand what death is, you can't understand the resurrection. So they didn't physically die immediately. But God is a truth teller. He's not a liar. So it means that death is something different than we think. We think of death as the moment that we simply cease to exist. We lose our consciousness. We go from one life to the next. It blows my mind that there are people all over the world who claim that the universe invented itself. That, that, that not just something came out of nothing, but that everything came out of nothing. Everything. And not only that, they claim that life has no meaning whatsoever, but they build families, they build lives, they try to build meaning in so many different areas. They know things have meaning. And they pretend that there are these things like value systems and things like that. But if they really believe everything came out of nothing, then ultimately what they believe is at the end of their life, when they die, they close their eyes. And it doesn't matter if they're Hitler or it doesn't matter if they're Mother Teresa. When they close their eyes, they go to the same place, which is nowhere. You just cease to exist. There's a lot of people that believe that's what death is. Well, well apparently, that's not what God thinks death is. Because he said the moment that you eat it, you will die. So they died the moment they ate that. So what does that mean? It, well, first of all, we know that Adam lived to 930 years old. Look at someone next to you. Say, I thought you looked pretty good for your age. Tell someone. <laughs> that's, all, that's old. I mean, that dude, that's not even mean to say that's old. That's really old. Hey, 930, you know, that's, that's crazy. I'm 50. I'm, I'm struggling right now. Like 930. You know, and so uh, then he physically died. His body just wore out. So we see, even from human beings, that sin compounds over time. If he lived 930 and then the years started getting shorter and shorter, we start seeing that the effects and the toll that sin takes on human beings, it's gotten progressively worse. So death is something that cumulatively has affected us throughout human history. We're not living to that age anymore. Then we also see that death must mean something else because they were expelled from the garden. God cursed them. It means, ultimately, death really truly means we're cut off from God's presence. We're born into a world of death. What kind of world do we live in that you go through the things that you go through? What kind of world do we live in where, you know, on, uh, you, you take your, your son to a, a, an appointment and you think he's got asthma or something and you find out that he's got cancer or, or, you know, what kind of world do you live in where one of the greatest men I've ever seen in my life who should be sitting on the front row right now, Pastor Sam is gone from, from a, a disease, a sickness that just came and went. When you think about things like this, what is that a result of? There's no other answer than we live in a world of death that was brought about by our own disobedience. So the reason you're saying, man, this is so dark for Easter. What is he talking about? What I'm talking about is how can we understand the resurrection if we don't understand what he's being resurrected from? He stepped in on our behalf for this reason. 
And this is our definition of death. It's being cut off from God and it's living in a corruptible physical body that will stop working. See, God loved us too, too much to leave us like that. And Jesus had the authority as God, he was perfect to say, humans can't do it. I have to go there. I have to become one of them. I have to do everything they couldn't do. And I've got to die. I've got to suffer being cut off from God. I've got to suffer the physical burnout that's going to happen as the result of sin and death. I've got to go through of it and take care of it once and for all so they can have life. That's why our text scripture says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Somebody say abundant life. It's really important. John 10, 17 and 18, where Jesus says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Somebody say that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. Jesus could have called the angel armies down and saved himself on every occasion. But he said, you're not taking it from me. I'm giving it by my own volition. And he not only said, no one takes it from me. He said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So Jesus had to willingly submit to the punishment of death. And the only way he could do that was to surrender his authority. To surrender his right to stay alive. And, you know, in chess, if you like games, I love chess. I love any kind of game I like playing. But chess is a super fun game. And a lot of strategy in chess and if, if you reach a point in chess where you're playing someone that's good and you both have an understanding that there are a limited number of moves, some people like to play it out to the end, but sometimes if you're overmatched and, and you have a material advantage in chess, someone that knows what they're doing will see, well, there's really no use in just moving around 10, 15 more moves. That could take 10 minutes. I might as well resign. It's actually considered, you know, good manners, good etiquette to resign. And at, at that point, and there's a move called the surrender. The surrender is where you take your king and you tip it over. You're surrendering, you're resigning. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we look at someone who had all authority, but laid down and surrendered his life. And he surrendered the two things that we lost in the fall. He surrendered and experienced separation from God and a corruptible physical body that would eventually stop working. Why did he do it? Why did he lay down his life? Why did he surrender when he could have fought? Why? Because of our text scripture. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And why does he want us to have that abundant life? Because John 15, 13 says, greater love has no man than this to lay down his life 
for his friends. He did it because he loves you. He loves you. And to win back those two things that death represents, he had to personally experience. In Jewish culture, Yom Kippur is a day where for the sins of the people, they would take two goats. One goat, they would put the sins of the people upon that goat and they would slaughter that goat. It would experience death. The other goat, they would put the sins of the people on that goat and they would banish it from the city, banish it from the community, send it out into the wilderness, never to be seen again by the place of God. It represent, represented exile from God, death and separation from the presence of God. Those goats had to experience in a substitutionary way that happened during Yom Kippur. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, that's exactly what he did for us. On the cross, when he experienced the death of the one and the banishment of the other. Why? So we don't have to experience death. We don't have to experience banishment. Why? Because our king surrendered for us. And what did he surrender? What did he surrender? Think about it. Number one, he surrendered his will. I'm going I'm to say four things. Number one, he surrendered his will. Isn't it incredible that in the garden, Luke 22, 41 through 44, says that he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And what did he pray? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That was showing us that in that moment, the cup he was referring to was the cup of God's wrath, which is mentioned all throughout Scripture. God's anger at sin. He knew he had to drink the cup of wrath that was meant for you and me. Take it upon himself. And he didn't want to do it. Why? Because it's God's punishment and he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so what he's saying is that my will might be different than yours right now, but it's not my will. It's yours. He surrendered his will. Look at someone next to you and say, what do you want for dinner tonight? I know somebody said red lobster with them cheese biscuits right there. I know, them cheese biscuits, boy, those things are banging. Okay, but be careful with that question. What do you want for dinner tonight? Because sometimes when you know you're walking in the spirit and you ask that question to your spouse, you know, you'll be walking in the spirit. You're like, I'm, I'm going to use a good attitude tonight. I'll ask what they want. I'm going to say it's so sweet. And you're thinking inside your heart. God, anything but Mexican food. Please do not let her say Mexican food in Jesus' name. I'm acting like I'm open for anything. But as long as she doesn't say that one thing and you say, baby, what you want tonight? What's she going to say that night? I want some Mexican food. And you got to act. You, you, got, you just got to pretend. What are you doing? When you use a good attitude in that situation, what are you doing? You're submitting to the will of someone else. You're saying it's not my will but your will. And Jesus surrendered his will time and time again. And he also kept his heart in alignment with the father so that his will could resemble God's. He didn't let his will drift from the father. So it stayed close enough that it could be put back in check, but he surrendered his will. What else did he surrender? He surrendered his comfort. 
Mark 15, 22 through 24 says they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, this particular wine that they were offering him was something that Roman executioners gave to the criminals. And even though it was such a brutal, intentionally brutal execution, sometimes they would give them this cheap wine that was mixed essentially with, with like a drug or a poison that dulls your mind so you can't really experience the full measure of the pain. It was almost like a sign of mercy. Isn't it interesting that Jesus rejected that wine? Why? He said, I want to be sober for this. He surrendered his comfort. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us that he can relate to all of our infirmities. Every sickness, every pain, every weakness that we have. It says in Hebrews 4, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. That's why he said, no, I don't want none of that. I want to feel it. He wanted to experience it. So he surrendered his comfort. The next thing that he surrendered was his pride. We see in the narrative in Mark 15, they put a purple robe on him, mocking him, twisted together a crown of thorns. They begin to say, hail, king of the Jews. Uh, they struck him. On the head with a staff, they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And they finally mocked him again. Casted lots for his actual clothes. Just humiliated him. Naked, beaten in front of everyone. All your dignity just completely stripped away. I just want to point this out. This is what had to be done to overcome death. This is why sin and death and disobedience to God's way is so important. Because the only way to put this right for, was for Jesus to surrender. And finally, he surrendered his very life. It says, later knowing that everything had now been finished so that scripture would be fulfilled, because there was a scripture about the way he would have something to drink before he died. He said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar. By the way, wine at that time was not what it is now. And the disciples never got drunk. Jesus never got drunk. Uh, it was much more part of the culture. It, it was not full of the kind of alcohol that we have now. But a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, lifted it to Jesus' lips. And we had received the drink. Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He surrendered his life. I hope that we're understanding the significance of what it takes to overturn this death sentence on us. That Jesus had to surrender all of those things so that we could experience life. And, you know, this moment where he finally surrenders. He tips the peace over. He resigns. The devil thinks 
that the master game is over with. I'm sure he thought he won in the Garden of Eden. I'm sure he thought he won when all of God's people were trapped with the Red Sea on one side and Pharaoh's armies on the other side. I'm sure he thought he won when all of the male boys under two years of age were slaughtered in Bethlehem. I'm sure he thought he won when the angry crowd of Nazareth drove Jesus over near the cliff, but the Bible says he disappeared in their midst. But now, as Jesus is hanging his head and giving up the ghost, now he's buried on Saturday. I'm sure hell was going crazy. And I bet the devil looked at Jesus and said, checkmate. surrender. There was an old group called Alabama. I don't know if you guys ever remember a group called Alabama. They're a country group. Pretty old, old group. They have a song that was called, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. I think that applies here. Because Matthew 28 Verses 1 through 10, probably the darkest moment in human history. The perfect Savior of the world buried in a tomb. It says, after the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. By the way, when you look at the Bible, so many things about the narratives of the Bible tell you that it's true. A, you got two ladies here of all the names in the world. Two of them are named Mary. Why would someone make that up if it wasn't true? They would come up with, they'd be like, you know, Mary and Betty or something. It's like you come up with some interesting variation on the second name. But if they're both named Mary, you just call them what they're, they're named. The other thing, by the way, that's really important to know is that historically, women were not even allowed to give a testimony in court in this culture. It, 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 was, it was not reliable information at all to ever quote a woman did anything. It had no value to anyone in the culture. But it's quoted all through the Gospels that women are the one that discovered Jesus at the tomb. If you were going to make something up, you would say all these guys that showed up. But that's not who was there. You know who was there? Women. And that's why the Bible says that Mary and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And it says in verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and become like, became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. They actually see him. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped. And then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. See, because of the surrender, Jesus won the war. He turned the tables on the enemy. That's why you and I, by his resurrection power, 
have power over death forevermore. That's why we can say cancer, checkmate. Sin, checkmate. Addiction, checkmate. Guilt, checkmate. I'll never be good enough, checkmate. The mistake that you can't seem to get rid of, checkmate. Jesus surrendered it all so I could have resurrection power in my life every single day. He won it for us. Paul says, I want to know Christ in Philippians 3.10. I want to know him. I want to know the power of the resurrection. He's saying, I don't want to just know about it. I want that power. How can you know the power of the resurrection? Understand what it took for the resurrection to occur. He said, I want to know the participation in his sufferings. Know that participation. Becoming like him in his death. Become like him in his death if you want to know the power. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Oh, how do you know that power? How do you know those sufferings? How do you become like him? You have to surrender to what Jesus surrendered to. And what did he surrender? You have to surrender your will. You have to surrender your comfort. You have to surrender your pride. Zero amens on that. I'm going to start over. Maybe we'll get some amens this time. You have to surrender your comfort. Right? Don't we spend a lot of time caught up on our comfort? We put our comfort in front of resurrection power on our day-to-day basis, isn't that fair to say? Do we put our, how about number two, we gotta surrender our will. Do we put our will in front of resurrection power on a day-to-day basis? I don't want to, I want resurrection power in my life. I wanna trade for resurrection power. Our pride. Surrender your pride. Do we put our pride in front of resurrection power on a day-to-day basis? Well, if we're ever going to know that power, we got to surrender our pride. And then finally, we got to surrender our life. Our, my time doesn't belong to me. My talents don't belong to me. God just gave them to me so I could give Him glory through them. He owns my life. You say, well, what does that mean? It means He bought me. He paid for me. He redeemed me. I was nothing. And he made me valuable because of who he is. And death plunged its stinger deep into the heart of Jesus. And it did its best. And Jesus died. I don't know if you know how a bee works, but when a bee puts its stinger in another insect, that insect normally dies. But about 30 seconds later, the bee dies because it gave everything it had to take that other thing out. And in the same way, death gave its best to Jesus. And it took Jesus' death on the cross to overcome the power of sin and death forevermore. Now death is defeated. So today, I have this passage of scripture that I want us to all read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 54 through 56. And I want us to have some passion when we read this. Let's put it up on the screen. If you could stand in here, if you could stand in the overflow, 
You can even stand where you are watching online. If you're streaming the podcast and you're driving, don't stand in your car, but uh, anywhere else that you're able to, we're gonna read this together out loud. We're gonna read it with some passion. We're gonna get fired up here today because death has no power over us any longer because Jesus surrendered. He won the victory for us. So let's read together. Come on. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Come on. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, come on. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody give Him a praise this morning. We have victory because of the surrender. And in closing, for our service on the surrender, you can have that power in your life today. We have created, our team has created and written this gospel invitation. I'm gonna ask you to stay standing while we watch it. And I want, the, the Bible says, first of all, unless you come to God as a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom. So if you say this is juvenile, it has to be, and you have to be with your faith if you're ever gonna know God. So watch this gospel presentation that we made. This is the story of the gospel. A story not just of pictures and words, but told with color like you've never heard. A story that ends with God winning, but starts with a dark and gloomy beginning. In the beginning was God. God chose to create earth and people to live on this beautiful planet he made. But people chose to disobey God and go their own way. This is called sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin leaves a mark on our hearts. Like the color black, it leaves a stain. Black reminds us of the sin that entered our world and the darkness that it leaves behind. God did not want this to be the end, so he made a way for you to return to him. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross so that we can be forgiven for the bad things that we do. Red reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. But there is good news. Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus died in our place. When you have faith in Jesus, you are saved. 
In Romans 10:9, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can belong to God now and always. All you need is faith. Blue reminds us of the faith we need to believe in Jesus. Do you remember how black your heart was from the stain of sin? Jesus wants to forgive you and take all your sins away. When you invite Jesus into your heart, he wipes away the stain of sin. He makes your heart clean and white as snow. Now you don't have a black heart, you have a clean heart. Green reminds me of growth. Once we ask Jesus into our hearts, we are transformed and we should never be the same. We get to experience growth in all areas of our lives as Jesus changes us from the inside out. Yellow reminds me of heaven. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You accept Jesus into your heart. You are given the free gift of eternity in heaven. We've been promised that not even death can stop God's love and care for us. We deserve punishment. Jesus died in our place. We choose to have faith in Jesus and follow him. We have been made clean. We get to experience growth and life change. We are promised hope in the future. This is the story of Jesus. This is the gospel. So this morning, simply according to this gospel message, if your heart has been stained by sin, you've never put your faith in Jesus, today is the day to get a clean heart by repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, believing in the resurrection power, believing that it was through him and only him, and he only had the power to surrender and lay his life down and take it up again so that by putting faith in him, we can have everlasting life. If that's you and you wanna put your faith in Jesus, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Overflow, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes. Those that are watching online, Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask when I count to three for every person to lift their hand. If you're watching online, when I count to three, could you just type in that chat? I'm raising my hand. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I believe lives are gonna change here today. Miracles are gonna happen. God's moving right now. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe God drew people here for a reason and you're listening to this for a purpose today. God cares for you and loves you. Three, hands lifted all over the room if that is you. All over the room, online, hands going up in every section. That is dozens if not hundreds of people here today lifting their hands. I believe it's happening online. People all over responding to the voice of the Lord. Could you pray this prayer with me? If you're within the sound of my voice, say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. 
I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you. Thank you for giving me a clean heart, replacing my old one with a brand new heart that looks like you, Lord. Thank you for surrendering everything for me so I could know resurrection power in my life. It begins today. Thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. It is through you that I am alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give God an amazing praise today? Give him a good shout on Easter Sunday. One more, come on. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.